welcome to another episode of The Wall, Behind and Beyond. I am your host, Philip A. Jones. Today, we have a sister who is a criminal justice activist and advocate. She is also passionate about the work she does, which shows in her dedication and commitment to excellence. She works tireless and is known in the circles of carceral restructuring as someone who is relentless in the pursuit of justice and equality. She is one of the principals for the nonprofit Inside Outside Consults, Inc., and the communications director for Philip Alvin Jones Consulting, LLC. She is a power broker in the field of communications and advocating strategies. Let's welcome to the show, Ms. Erica Youngblood. How are you today, sis? Hey, hey, Philip. It's so good to be here. I think that this is a uh, the wall behind and beyond exclusive, so thank you for the invite. Absolutely. You've been working behind the scenes. You've been doing a whole lot of work for Team Philip. You know, you've been communicating with social uh, outreach people that we've dealt with in the past. So this is nothing new to you because you've already seen all of it. But now, you know, the focus is yourself. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about your background and upbringing and how you got into the work of advocacy? Sure, sure. Well, I was born in Sacramento. I was raised in Detroit. I'm an only child. So that might explain a lot of things uh, to my personality. Uh, my mom and dad, you know, were awesome. And actually what I need listeners to know is that I'm actually a nurse by trade. I was, I'm not even in advocacy. I'm not even in communications. I, like I said, raised in Detroit, went to one of the top high schools uh, in Detroit, which was Cass Tech. Then I went to Tuskegee University and got my bachelor's in nursing. And then I actually graduated in 2016 from San Francisco State uh, with my master's in nursing as a family nurse practitioner. So I, I want to make that, um, uh, that important note to listeners is that this is not my background. This is not my history. And a lot of the things that I had to learn literally on the fly, a lot of my nursing skills I brought to the advocacy world. And so I'm just so excited to you know share. And how I got started with all of this is that I actually was a nurse at the San Francisco VA hospital. And my job at the time pre-pandemic was with a clinic that dealt with elective surgeries. And then the pandemic hit. And then as they um, reassigned us to different areas, I had just a little bit of downtime. And even as a nurse, I was freaking out about everything that's been going on, you know, even though I've been a nurse for 20 years. And so I thought, who else? you know, could possibly be feeling scared, nervous, you know, who doesn't even have the resources that I have? Who can I reach out to? And so at that time, I reached out to three different people just to see if I can offer support to people who are behind the wall. Because if you have someone on this side of the wall who has all of these resources, healthcare, a job, you know, stability as far as housing, and I'm scared, certainly someone else would be too. So I reached out to several people and started to sign several petitions to get involved. And one of the petitions I came across was Phillips. And when I read his story, for whatever reason, it was one that I just couldn't put down. I couldn't just sign and then go to the next one. I had to reach out. And so, like I said, I reached out to three people and Phillips was one. And I've been on board ever since. And it's been coming up, I think, about two years, Philip. Absolutely. Well, you're definitely an advocate, an activist, and a communications powerhouse. So don't say that. This is not your field. It is your field. You made it your field. You've taken ownership of it, and you've been doing an excellent job. And everyone we've talked to and networked with in this business, they know you. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. You're probably on a first-day basis with you. So I'm just grateful uh, for the work you do for myself and also for others to come. 
from your experience and understanding, what does it mean to be an advocate for criminal justice? Certainly. Thank you for that question, Philip. To me, it means being a voice with the voiceless, not only for the voiceless, but with the voiceless, because you guys have so much information. There are so many brilliant men and women behind you know, the wall. So passing the mic to say, what do you have to say? How should these policies be different? And so that's one thing that I've really uh, grown to cherish. Another thing is, you know, you have to realize this is a grind. I mean, it's 24 seven. And thankfully my lifestyle has afforded me the opportunity where I can, you know, email nonstop, make sure we're on top of all of your social medias and sharing and following up on different leads. But people need to know that it is a, it's a big commitment. It's huge. Also, I think listening more, you know, versus just talking and giving our advice again, you have the most powerful voice, Philip. You and the minimum behind the wall have the most powerful voice. And then how do we institute what you've told us into practice? So I'm excited, you know, to be along this journey. Well, that is definitely dope and awesome. I love your explanation. Uh, being an advocate for criminal justice is not easy work because the fight continues until changes are made or until people are released. And you've made this something that you're very passionate about. You know, I'm just grateful that you're I'm a part of my team and a part of the team of the greater uh, world of those many women who are still behind the wall fight for their freedom. Can you describe the work that you do and also tell us why it is so necessary? Sure, sure. And Philip, before I progress to that question, I just want to add to um, it's so important to understand the statistics of who you're helping, you know, where they come from, what are the demographics on where they come from. And so one of the things that also pulled me into your story is reading about a huge research project that the sentencing project did that pointed out that Maryland has a black population of almost 30%. So again, a black population of 30%, yet African-Americans make up 71% of its prison population. And so that was a statistic that stopped me in my track because how can we only make up 30% of one area yet 71% of the prison population? And so I, that really got me pissed and it really got me you know, ready, just fired up and to see how I can help. So I just wanted to you know, end that. But also to go back to your question where you said, describe what you do. Um, and tell us why it's so important and why it's so necessary. You know, one of the things that I do is I'm communications director for Team Philip. That is a title that Philip gave me, <laughs> and I have been doing my best to roll with it. But I do facilitate all communications. I help with all of the social media. Um, with new people that come on, I make sure, you know, give them a little bit of an orientation, make sure they know all of Philip's website, what he's about. Um, how to get in contact with him directly. Um, I help to schedule for our podcast. We have a great podcast, Philip does, called The Wall Behind and Beyond. So all the guests that you see, I'm communicating with them. I'm reaching out to them to get them on the podcast. I'm responsible for scheduling. One thing that is a huge challenge is the time zone, my word. So that is something that, you know, I juggle with because I'm on the West Coast and a lot of people are on the East Coast. Um, some people are even out of the country. And then also I'm responsible for the podcast, the editing, the main part I edit. So I had to teach myself that. And again, I remind folks that I came from a nursing background. But if you have a passion, you know, you, you're going to go for it. And then I also help with marketing the podcast. That is a lot. You wear a lot of hats. You do a phenomenal job. You know, you've taken us to a whole different level. And what you don't know, I noticed that you're a quick learner, a quick study, and you will do the research to find out how to more effectively do the job. And that's why we are so successful as a team. 
Sure. I forgot I didn't answer part B, which is why is this so necessary? And I think it's so important that we stand in the gap for those who don't have those resources. So we know, you know, we are blessed that we have a team of at least eight to 12 people who assist us, you know, with the work on Team Philip because it, it's a huge task. So it's just so important to stand in the gap gap if you can with, with, with whatever resources that you have um, because so many people just need a voice. Some people don't have one person, let alone a team. And so that's why it's necessary to do this work. That is powerful. And I, and I know our listeners will hear this and be inspired because, as you say, some of our listeners have loved ones who are incarcerated and they find that they are by themselves trying to keep their loved one, you know, not just uplifted, but supported. And so a lot of people will want to know how were you guys able to accomplish that. Um, so let that be the model. And thank you so much for explaining that. How do you view the current system of justice and what, in your opinion, is the prison industrial complex? Wow. Thank you for that question, Philip. For me, um, there has been way too much trauma and pain towards people who look like me and too many police murders with no history of accountability for me to ever believe in this justice system. And that's a full stop. So I struggle with, you know, that view and I struggle just being disappointed every day on how we're progressing supposedly in 2022. It feels like we're going backwards. For the second part of your question, as far as the prison industrial complex, you know, the book definition says it's the relationship between a government and the various businesses that benefit from institutions of incarceration. So I want to say that again, book definition says it's the relationship between a government and the various businesses that benefit from institutions of incarceration. But in my words, essentially, the prison industrial complex means looking at all the entities and some, I dare say, are vultures that profit off the backs of men and women incarcerated. You know, at this point, let's call a thing a thing. You know, for instance, JPay, Securus, GTL, all of these predatory companies that make money off the backs of our, you know, men and women who are behind bars. You know, I say enough. And so it's about looking at that and holding them accountable, you know, and calling them out on it. One of the amazing organizations that we follow on Twitter is called Worth Rises. And they constantly call these predatory businesses out on it. And they do a lot of research. So I, I encourage, you know, all of our listeners to look into Worth Rises. You know, they're amazing. But to me, that that's what it is. Let's call it out. Erica, you hit that on the nose because we are the most vulnerable population. The people, the men and women who are incarcerated and their families have the least. One, most of the men and women are the breadwinners who are incarcerated. So when they leave, their children are still there. And there's a parent left over to take care of these kids or a family member that has to pick up the burden of taking care of a loved one who has no income. But yet these companies that do business with the DOC, they seem to have this, uh, this idea that no matter what the price is, these families will figure out a way to foot this bill because they have no other option. Do they want their loved one to go to the store? Do they want their loved ones to have commissary or packages? Do they want their loved ones to have access to emails and pictures, visits? And so we call that predatory, but at the same time, there's things that can be done about that before we keep give these people all of, all of our hard-earned money. But I don't want to go too far into that. That's a whole other subject, and mm-hmm. we can have a whole other show on that. Mm-hmm. I want to keep it focused on you, Erica. If you were in a position to make changes to the prison system, what would be on your priority list? Man, Philip, thank you so much for that thoughtful question. Like if I had a wish list, first of all, it would be free communication to all of those behind the wall 
through the phone, email, tablets, whatever they need, free communication between them and their loved ones, them and whoever their support line is. And that's a full stop. Also, I have to reconcile, though, how do I make changes to to a system that for me is broken and corrupt? How do you make changes to that? So for me, dare I say, it needs to be demolished at the risk of sounding, you know, radical. And But I think there needs to be demolished and something more humane put in place. Put in place programs that actually rehabilitate and not punish or torture. And this must be done nationally. It should be nationally that people have a way to get in touch with their family. Another thing is close Rikers. You know, if I had a wish list, close Rikers. And that's full stop. The research is there. The deaths are there. Close Rikers Island. And thank you again, Philip, for giving me this opportunity to voice my wish list. Mental health free behind the wall for everyone. Not just court mandated for certain conditions or for whatever crime. Free mental health care for everyone so that you guys can work this out because we know you guys have trauma or anyone would. So I want you guys to have access to yoga, cognitive brain therapy, psychotherapy, and then not just for 15 minutes. I had a family member tweet that said, oh, my family member does have therapy, but they only get it 15 minutes for once a month. Are you kidding me? You have people dealing with unimaginable traumas inside and we're going to give them 15 minutes for once a month? No. Psychotherapy free for everyone behind the wall so that when you return home, you're healed and not hurt. You are healed. And those are just some of the main things that are on my wish list. I love that. Speak that truth to You have 60 seconds remaining. And as you can see, the recording is on. So we're going to pick this up on the other side. But I love everything you said. There wasn't even much more to add. That's all point. We'll be right back. GoFundMe to assist with my freedom campaign. You can find my GoFundMe by typing in hashtag incarcerated lives matter Philip Alvin Jones. My website grantparolephilip.com is a one-stop shop. There you'll find all my social media links, my story, ways to contact me, and links to my podcast. Keep up with me through social media via Twitter at Philip A. Jones 71. Facebook is Philip Alvin Jones. Instagram is Philip underscore Alvin underscore Jones. My TikTok is Philip Alvin Jones Jr. I've also started a nonprofit, and you can find out more by going to www.insideoutsideconsults.org. That is www.insideoutsideconsults.org. Subscribe to my YouTube channel on YouTube. Just look for the wall behind and beyond. And I want to thank you very much for your support. And keep listening to the wall behind and beyond. Back once again with Erica Youngblood, the power broker, you know what I'm saying, in the field of advocacy and communications for the criminal justice world. Did you have anything that you wanted to um, further say? Or can we go to the next question? The next question. Thank you, Philip. So would you say that being an advocate for criminal justice reform is a passion of yours? Yes, um, it's definitely in my blood. 
It's, you know, it's what I do. I know my 20 year career in nursing prepared me for this. Most of my early career in nursing, I was an ER nurse by training. I did that for about 13 years. And I worked at a lot of the top trauma hospitals in the country where literally I might be tending to a gunshot victim in one room and then a massive heart attack victim in the next room. So I had to multitask. I had to prepare and do a lot of things at once and do it, you know, very well. So, you know, this prepared me for it. And I'm excited. You know, I love that sometimes, you know, at 3 a.m., I'm, oh, I need to send this email or, oh, I saw this on Twitter. I want to respond to that person and see if I can get them on the podcast. So for me, it's all exhilarating to just kind of have this second career, if you will. You know, I'm just excited to be here. So, yeah, thank you. It is definitely a passion. Well, you are like a 21st century Harriet Tubman. I'm going to say this. A lot of our black women don't get enough credit for some of the, the tough tasks that they do. And in this regard, you made it. You went to college. You're educated. You had a great job. But you said, I'm tired of seeing what I'm seeing and how people are suffering. And not just our people, but all people who are marginalized suffering. You are doing work like some of the greats from our ancestry and from our past. And so keep up the good work, the phenomenal work that you're doing. And don't let nobody tell you anything different. Thank you. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. The next question I have for you is, what would you tell families of incarcerated men and women about how to do what you do for Team Philip. Oh, wow. Thank you so much, uh, Philip, for that question. Um, definitely, it's a each one teach one uh, philosophy. But I would definitely tell people that they have to get comfortable with technology. Um, a lot of people may not know this, but I don't have any social media of my own. I help to you know send out your messages uh, through all these different platforms. And so I had to learn. I mean, I'm 45. I did not know Twitter and the ins and outs on how to at and then TikTok and Instagram. So it's been a learning curve, but I had to get comfortable with it because it has helped. Uh, so that was one you know, main thing. Another thing is you want to uh, have a support system. Even if it's just one other person, you want to form a team because it's so much on one person to carry on these roles. So if you even have one other person, a friend, someone at church, someone you, you, know, you met through one of your organizations, just to say, hey, would you mind partnering up? We're going to be helping this person to see how we can help them on their freedom efforts. Would you like to give me a hand? And even that help, you know, it means the world just to have some, you know, support. And so one, one thing I can say is, as we formulated Team Philip, it's been so helpful just to have some support where I can breathe. You know, people don't feel like, oh, I have to do it all myself. You know, we really try to share the load and we check in with each other. And again, that's something else that that's, that's important. And that I need families and friends to know it's so important to check in with each other, to do self-care, because this is heavy work. It is overwhelming work. It is um, rewarding and it, it fills my soul, but I also have to acknowledge that it is overwhelming. So you want to be doing your own self-care, your own mental health therapy, you know, this type of work. So those are some of the things and people laugh when I say this, but it really comes down to, look, the next family gathering you have whether it be 4th of July, Christmas, whatever you celebrate, whatever gap, just regular barbecue. Say, look, you guys can't come in. Everybody pull their cell phones out. Everybody's got a cell phone. Hey, and before we eat, pull out your cell phone. Let's sign so-and-so's petition. Right there, you got 20 people signing the petition. So something like that. I need people to look, think outside the box um, about ideas like that and something that simple. T-shirts, fundraiser braces to spread the message. It's just so important. So all those things, Philip, I will pass along to family. I mean, it's just, it's a lot of good stuff out there. Hey, that's awesome. That brings to mind also our logo for Inside Outside Consults. We took the African saying, Ubuntu, which means I am because we are. 
And that's what we live by. You know what I'm saying? And that's the philosophy that's worked for us. You know, I, I couldn't do any of this without people like Erica and all the other great team members we had. And so anyone out there who wants to learn about how to organize and put together their own advocacy for their loved one, please don't hesitate to reach out to us because by us giving information, we gain more. So thank everybody out there. Thank all the wonderful people that's a part of this team. Are you aware that you are the best in this business? And that you are the model of excellence for what a criminal justice advocate should be. First of all, <laughs> Philip, no, I am not aware of that. But you know what, Philip? I will say I'm pretty damn close because I have heart, I have passion. And when I tell you I have made mistakes along the way and made some mistakes, I go back to my career in nursing. I go back to me being raised in Detroit, which was a concrete jungle within itself. And I have resiliency and I try to go back to the table. I am here to give it all I have. But I thank you for that. You don't have to. I know you're going to be modest, but we have so many people that we network with that reach out all the time and say, I need to find me a Erica Youngblood. And so for anybody out there that's listening, if you got half a sense when it comes to this type of work, you need to be trying to get Erica, you know what I'm saying, on your payroll somehow because she is uh, one of the best at this, at this work. And that ain't no plug. That's just real. We all see it in the results that we get. Any final words for our listeners? And how can anyone get a hold of you if they want to hire your services? Yes, Philip. Thank you so much for that. Because again, we still have so much work to do. I'm so thankful for organizations that are putting in that work. One thing I will say, I want to remind people, a great reminder of that. The 13th Amendment includes an exception that allows for slavery and involuntary servitude to be used as punishment for crime. Again, there's an exception in the 13th Amendment that still allows slavery as punishment for crime. So, you know, we just celebrated Juneteenth, but you are not free. Other men and women behind the wall are not free. And so we need to continue to push this legislation, push Congress to change this. Philip, as you and I have talked, the sentence should be the punishment. Anything past that is cruel. It's torture. And why do that? We're trying to rehabilitate, supposedly, you all so that you return safely to society and you're a productive member of society. So if that's the case, then it starts now. And so one thing we need to look at is the 13th Amendment. So I want to remind people to keep that in their thoughts. You know, we are not free until we're all free. So yeah, we're celebrating quote unquote freedom on this side of the wall, but there's still so many brothers and sisters behind the wall who do not have that liberty, who have to work for pennies on the dollar. It's unacceptable. So we have to do something about that. Lastly, I want to say to families and friends who have people behind the wall, continue to reach out, continue to extend that hand because Philip, you all are dealing with unimaginable circumstances. And so I just ask people to extend that grace and to consider that, but to keep reaching out. Um, a sense of community is so important to you guys' success. Lastly, Secretary John B. King, and he is currently running for governor of Maryland. He was a candidate who sat down with us early in our podcast days to have a conversation about second chances. And I thought that was so amazing that a man of this stature who served as Secretary of Education under President Obama sat down to say, your story, Philip, is important. And so I just urge anyone who's in Maryland under the sound of my voice to look into John B. King and to vote in that direction. You know, Philip, I just want to say thank you. Any families out there, any loved ones out there, any friends out there who need help or who need guidance, please reach out to me. I don't have social media, but my email address is futurenurse, F-U-T-U-R-E, 
N-U-R-S-E. Yes, I've been a nurse for 20 years. But anyway, futurenurse77 at hotmail.com. Absolutely. Phenomenal. Um, and I got to say, the loss of the liberty, as Erica was speaking of, is the punishment. Everything after that is supposed to be rehabilitation, wellness, wholeness, returning individuals back to society more equipped than before, and helping them to overcome some of the obstacles that allow them and so we want to make that clear. That's what our organization and our nonprofit is all about. You know, returning the people back to the community whole instead of broken. And then you will see that prison become obsolete. So thank you and have a good night. And I appreciate you, Erica, for all that you've done, all that you continue to do. And that was, that was a dope episode. And I'm glad to have you. Thank you so much for this opportunity, Philip. It's been amazing. Have a great night.